October's Children is a paranormal horror podcast and contains language and subject matter not suitable for all audiences. Content warnings can be found in our show notes. Listener discretion is advised. Hi. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this one-on-one interview with me. I really appreciate your time. So, all right. One more time. My name is Ashley Slake. Ashley Slake. Ashley Slake. Ashley Slake. Ashley Slake. Just for the record, you know you're being recorded. And could you please state your name again? Uh, sure. Jack Murray. Uh, Sophia Castellanos. Constance Shrewd. L. Mayhew. But you can call me Skip. John Walters. The third. Great, thank you. Okay, so you're here because you're responding to my message about your report. You saw something strange, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Oh. <laughs> I have seen many strange things, dear. Yes, I did. I mean, more heard about than saw, but yeah, I guess. If you count the dead guy... That is correct. I know what your report to the Union Monitor said, but I'm pretty sure we only have some of the story, and some of the details probably got lost. Could you start from the beginning and tell me the whole story? Uh, yeah. Okay. Sure. I mean, the short version is... I got lost. Very well. I do not know what other people may have seen, or why they never said anything, but... To me, I have always thought something was very wrong with the man in plaid. You won't believe me. No one does. Because it sounds insane when I say it, even to me. But... <sighs> I was abducted by alien bugs. I mean, sure. But, look, the first thing to understand is that, really, there were two dead guys. You never hear about the second one. Technically was not my report. Rather, the incident was reported by my father to the police. Family history and civic duty being what they are, however, I am willing to share what I know of the underlying facts of the matter, lamentable as they may be. pretty good sense of direction. Uh, that's not a boast, by the way. That's just how it is. North is that way. The car I've rented is two blocks that way by the coffee shop. And if you go about five miles that way, you'll hit the empty field where this whole nightmare started. An empty field may not sound like much, and obviously most of the time it isn't. Not that many of them around here though, are there? Just trees, rolling hills, trees, and those stone walls. 
someone told me that those were made from the stones taken from the fields, back when this was farming country. More than it is now, I mean. Anyway, I guess they built the walls to mark property boundaries. Makes a lot of sense, you look at it like that. Boundaries. Borders. What are they called? Liminal spaces? Somewhere that's not quite here, not quite there? See, there was this barn. A shabby old thing, missing boards, barely a lick of paint left on it. I saw it across the field while I was driving by, and the field itself, it was old. No trees grown in it yet, no proper ones anyway, but the grass was high, yellow. This was near sunset, right? So I stopped the car when I see this run-down barn across the field. Thought it might make a great lead to an opinion piece. <laughs> the decline of rural America, or some such rot. Came across the spot at Golden Hour. How could I not check it out? So I'll pick my way across the field, hoping the layers of insect repellent will keep the ticks off of me. The shadows from the trees that border the field getting longer and longer as the sun slides beneath the horizon. It, um... It felt like it took longer than it should have to reach the barn. I took out my camera to grab a few shots, and while I was finding the focus for the first picture, I saw something half buried in the ground inside the barn. Can't really call it a floor, it was mostly dirt and dead weeds. Thought it might have been a baseball. <laughs> a baseball from a dead American barn. The perfect souvenir. Except it wasn't. When I pried out the ground, rubbed the dirt off it, <laughs> it was a skull. A small one. <laughs> when, I, when I figured out what it was, I panicked, I guess. I dropped the skull and backed away, stumbled over something, went right through the wall of the barn. Rotten boards coming down around me, and that's... <clears throat> that's when things started to get really strange. You see, um, I couldn't find my car. It had gotten dark, fast. It was like the night had just swallowed the field. Overhead, I remember... I remember I'd never seen so many stars in my life. No moon at all, but so many stars. They weren't our stars, though, if that makes any sense. I couldn't see a single constellation I knew. So yeah, I, uh, I went looking for my car, and it wasn't there. Christ, the road wasn't there. Just trees. I swear, I must have spent an hour trying to find that fucking car, and there was nothing. The barn was just a shadow, right? A sulking wreck in the dark, and I felt like it... It watched me. The whole time. I used it like a landmark. Circled it, walking the tree line, looking for the road. There were... There were things in the trees, up high, staring down at me. Never got a good look at them, but the eyes were 
red. Red, the color of bloody meat. Wide as saucers. I, I think. Size was hard to gauge. Anyway, the barn, right? On, on my third or fourth trip around the field, surrounded by nothing but trees, I looked back at the barn and for just an instant, I saw a glimmer of silvery light. Every part of my being was screaming at me to turn around, run, like, like down to my bones. I wanted to be anywhere else as that building loomed over me under that strange, awful sky. But that light, it was moonlight. Some part of me recognized the one familiar thing in that damn place. So I went closer, step by step. God, it felt like it took years to get back to that bar. I could feel the things in the trees staring. I could feel them jumping on my back, ripping at me with claws like butcher knives, or strangling me with fingers like wires. Or I could just feel them. I figured out that I could see the moon, but only if I looked through the hole in the wall I'd made and out the doorway. Literally any other angle and there were just more of those damn stars, but through that hole, I could smell the musty rot of the place. I had to force myself not to gag as I brushed up against the broken boards. Couldn't bear to even try to find the skull. Once I was back through the hole in the wall, I heard... wings, maybe? Something from the tree line, anyway. I bolted. I bolted out the door and across the field, and there, right where it was supposed to be, was the car. I got a speeding ticket driving away. Had me spend the night in jail to sleep it off when I told them my story. The next morning, I decided to stick with a more plausible version, so... Yeah. Not sure if you heard about a bear attacking a drunk, but that was me. And that's the actual story of what happened. Can I, uh... Is there a... Can I just go now? I'd like to get back to where I'm going before it gets dark. I hate driving at night now. Well, as you may know, my family moved to Wolfbrook when I was just a little girl. For my father's work, you see. Oh, my father. Oh, he was a brilliant man. A genius, they said. He had ways of looking at the world that simply... <laughs> conversations with him were like... Conversations with no one else. I could talk to him about... Anything. Oh, and I did, and he would settle me on his knee or, or on a chair next to him and light up his pipe and then stare off at something I could never quite see. But then he would start talking, <laughs> whatever we were talking about, science or nature, art... Music, history, whatever it was, it would, it would blossom 
oh, like a flower, dozens of layers slowly opening, hidden meanings and inner complexities I, I would never have thought to ask about. Ha! But <laughs> that is not what you want to hear about, is it? Hmm? No, no, no. You want to hear about the men in plot. So for me, even when I was young, I was accustomed to such things. Men in suits, the red menace, how to duck and cover, all of that. This is just how life was, you know? Or, or maybe you don't. Yeah. No, you look too young to know. Well, one day, one day I still remember. Oh, it was so it happened yesterday. Or no, it is as if it was still happening today. And I've simply left the room to where it is going on. Yes, it is more like that. My mother had passed on by then, of course, so I was left to myself much of the time. I, I was alone in my room upstairs, and the sun was coming in through the window. I remember because I was playing with a doll, making her fly through the dust motes, hanging in the air. <laughs> I thought it was stardust. <laughs> but then I heard the front door. I knew what it sounded like when my father returned home, of course. And this sounded... Uh, I, uh, wrong, somehow. I crept out of my room... And I looked down right to the hallway railing. My father was downstairs. He was pacing back and forth, frantically. It was like a fish, I thought, when it knows that nets are closing in. I watched him scurry over towards his desk and out of sight. Papers, I heard them. They thrown everywhere. And my father was cursing, cursing, cursing all the while. He ran into the kitchen, then the living room, and each time he's ranting and, and throwing things. And then, then I heard a car door outside slam. And my father and I just both froze. I felt someone walk over my grave. Do you know that saying? Um... This is what I felt. I, I, I knew that uh, somewhere, sometime, I was, I was laying dead, and that whatever was coming up the walk to the house had something to do with that. The front door opened, and then, without a sound, I, I remember thinking how strange that was. The door. It, the door always had a, sh a, a, a shriek to it, a squeal my father said over and over again that he would fix, but <laughs> well, he never did, no, but not at that time. But the men in plaid, they came in without a sound. The door was silent when it opened, and their shiny shoes were silent on the linoleum floor. Even the birds outside had stopped singing. It was total and utter silence. Complete. It was this 
Oh, what you say? It was the silence of trauma. Silence of loss. Well, you know, I, I call them men, <laughs> well, only because they were dressed as such. Their their smiles were uh, they were too wide, with too many teeth. Their bodies inside their plaid suits were uh, androgynous. Yes, their eyes were hidden under wide-brimmed hats and behind glasses that I could not see through. I, I swear I never saw them breathe. If I am honest, I am not sure that they were human at all, let alone men. I approached my father, silent as shadows. And he backed away, slowly, so slowly. He's, I thought my heart would burst in my chest, and yet somehow, in, in no time at all, they had moved underneath the hall, and I could see them no longer. Not the men in plaid, not my father. And from somewhere under me, the silence was finally broken. And I heard a wailing howl. It, it was a raging torrent of sound. It was anger and hatred and, and vicious glee all wrapped together. It was an alien sound. It was cruel. And though I heard my father shouting back, to this day I, I, I don't know what he said. Because I ran. I, the breath was rasping in my throat. I, I ran to the end of the hall and down the stairs. <laughs> I almost broke my neck falling the last few steps, but I, 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 I ran. And then there was um, a, to a tone, a note, like the string of the largest bass in creation, a, a, a thrumming vibration I felt in my bones and out of the corner of my eye I saw it before it hit me it was um, uh, a wave of force um, or, or, or compressed air perhaps a rippling in the world like someone had, had grabbed a sheet of uh, like fabric of reality and, and, and snapped like a sheet or, or, or a dirty rug. Now the wave, it, it, it caught me up and, and threw me out the door into the yard and, and the windows shattered all around. The glass flashed by me. I still have the scars. You see? Here. And, and here. I woke up when the field medic was, was looking me over. Army men in green, like, like, so many toy soldiers. They swarmed over the place. It was almost a week before I saw my father again. But <laughs> that is another story for a different time. <sighs> Are you sure you don't want a cookie?
See, I told you. As soon as you say, I was abducted by alien bugs, people think you're unwell. No, no, I didn't mean to say that. I was just surprised, that's all. Go on, please. All right. So this was a while back now. 2015. I was in grad school at the time. I wanted to be a historian, if you can believe it. Had to write a paper about a local community, but the professor was sort of vague with the instructions, and I decided to be a bit over the top with it. You ever hear of Wormwood, New Hampshire? Had another name back when it was a mostly French village, but it doesn't matter. The point is, I was wandering around a ghost town in the middle of godforsaken nowhere thinking I had the faintest fucking clue how the world worked. And let me tell you, I did not. Um, sorry. I, I don't think you're supposed to smoke in here. Listen, do you want me to talk to you about the worst fucking thing that's ever happened to me or not? Because I'm just as happy to leave and get a coffee. Uh, right. Um, sorry. I'm just going to, uh, uh, crack the window? Please, continue. <laughs> right. So I'm wandering the woods looking for what ought to be nothing more than a couple of crumbling stone chimneys and maybe have a collapsed foundation. A handful of gravestones, if I was lucky. But you know what I find? Um, not those things? An entire community. But like, an entire inhabited community. Looked like a post-apocalyptic nightmare hellscape out of the late 60s. Rusted out teardrop trailers, RVs done up with armor plating made out of scrap, chicken wire everywhere. There was this weird green fog rolling in. And then I spotted people in rags and gas masks peering at me from windows. Finding this too fucking creepy for words, I headed back to the woods. And that is when I found the hive. Of alien bugs? <laughs> Damn skippy of alien bugs. The hive itself looked... I, I mean, I could only see the very tip of it from the outside. As much a cave as anything else, but it sort of felt like a termite mound or something. Anyway, I'm trying to get away from the green fog and the hill folk and gas masks because, you know, I don't want to be eaten. And this thing jumps out of the entrance of the hive. It's the size of a linebacker, maybe. But it looks like a cross between a beetle and one of those things in the movies with Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, yeah like that. So I start screaming bloody murder. And this thing just picks me up by my leg like I'm a doll. Spews this webbing or goo or some shit all over me then starts dragging me into the hive. And I can see dozens of tunnels branching off into the dark. I figure... <laughs> well, guess this is how I die. Done up like a fucking halfling by a giant spider. And then there's this sound. This fucking sound. Let me tell you. You never forget your first minigun. I'm sorry. What?
Yep. One second I'm hanging by my ankle about to be bug food or worse. Next second the bug gets blown apart. I mean like shattered by a hail of bullets. Acid blood spraying everywhere. I look over and there's this absolute bear of a man standing there with a fucking minigun. Barrel's still spinning. Dude was like 6'8", 6'9", built like a tank and wearing PMC armor and colors. PMC? Private military contractor. Mercenaries. Anyway, this stone-cold motherfucker looks at me, and I can see him doing the math. Like, I'm watching the gears turn in his brain. No witnesses. Murder ain't cool, etc., etc. Back and forth. Eventually, he just shakes his head. Like I should get out of there before he changes his mind. So I fucking do. Believe you me. I bolt tearing my jacket off while I do. I mean, the thing was covered in acid blood and smoking, you know? And just when I'm about out of earshot, the dude says, Watch out for the reptilians! They called in this out. Reptilians. Yeah, but that's a different story. Hey, do you have anything alcoholic around here? Like I said, mostly I heard about this. I mean, until I saw it. Sorry, that might be confusing. Every college has their traditions, right? Well, one of Wolfbrook communities for incoming students is a night in the state park. And like all good community building expeditions that vaguely border on slasher movie material, Part of the trip is telling scary stories around a campfire late at night. You ever heard about the Skull Sucker? I can't say that I have. Right, no reason you should. It's a ridiculous story made up to scare first years passed down through the ranks of a community college in nowhere New Hampshire. There are two things that set it apart from every other story like it. One, it's been around for at least 50 years, near as I can tell. And two, it's true. Okay. Yeah, that's what I said. The story goes like this, more or less. There's a monster, or a mad scientist, or a demon, whatever. Depends on who's telling it. So this monster, or whatever, skulks around the skirts of Wolfbrook, right? Sometimes it looks like a person, sometimes a bit like a giant mosquito, sometimes it's an alien, so where exactly it lives and how it avoids detection is anybody's guess. Anyway, the bottom line is this. There is something in Wolfbrook that cracks open people's skulls and eats their brains. And it's been doing this for 50 years. At least, yes. And you saw it. No, but... Autumn of my second year, right? I'd pretty much forgotten about the story like everybody else. A friend and I were walking along the river at night, and we see somebody sitting on the ground, leaning against a tree. I don't know if you've ever been here in the late fall, but it can get cold. Like, die of hypothermia a lot faster than you might think cold. Especially if you're drunk and alone, which, you know, welcome to small towns with shitty infrastructure and nothing to do. So my friend and I go to check on this person. They were just sitting there, 
remember getting worried. I couldn't figure out why until I realized I couldn't see their breath. We start kind of freaking out at that point. We're yelling at the person, hey buddy, you okay? And all that kind of stuff. I go over and shake them on the shoulder to see if I can wake them up. And, uh, and their head flopped down away from the tree. It like peeled away, leaving these stringers of blood and brain dangling on the bark on the tree. Where the back of their skull should have been? A hole, maybe an inch across. So that's about the time when we started screaming, like really screaming. My friend's wondering about CPR and stuff, and I'm yelling about how they had no fucking brain and, you know, normal stuff. And then there's this light, which just about shit our respective pants. Pantses? We were very surprised because there's this flashlight, right? Shining at us directly in the eyes. That shut us up pretty quick, actually. Turned out, flashlight guy had been doing some repair work on a drainage tunnel by the river or something. I don't know, that's what he said anyway. He looked kind of like a construction worker, but like, not a real construction worker. Like a construction worker from a pinup calendar or something. Handsome and immaculately clean, but in coveralls and stuff. Once he got us calmed down, he asked what was wrong, and we just kind of gestured. I mean, then we started babbling in terror, but you get the idea. So did he. He nodded and told us to go to the closest academic building and call the police while he stuck around to see if there was anything he could do. I've always sort of wondered about that. Why he left, I mean, we could have called from the spot, but the construction guy just seemed to know what he was doing. Like he wasn't freaked out at all. So we went, called the cops. Of course, they never found anything. No body, no blood and brain stuck to a tree, no construction worker. It wasn't until the third or fourth round of questioning by the police when they had the canine unit brought in and we were supposed to be leading them to the spot that I realized I hadn't been able to see the construction worker's breath either. Are you acquainted with Mrs. Sophia Castellanos? Yes, uh, yes I am. She's very nice. She is, at that. You are also aware of her condition? I mean, I know she gets confused sometimes. Confused, yes. That is perhaps as good a term as any. What you may not be aware of are the circumstances leading up to her confusion. It's not organic? I cannot hazard a guess as to an official diagnosis. I am not a doctor. However, what I can tell you is that according to my father, Mrs. Castiano's circumstances were not always as they are now, and rather were the result of a specific event 
which has yet to be fully investigated. Do you mean fully explained? I do not. Right. Tell me, do you know much about Sophia's father? Not a lot. Some kind of government scientist, I think? Sounds like he was a good father. That could very well be true. I believe it is also true that he murdered his wife, and that the erosion of Sophia's faculties is a direct result of her witnessing the crime. Oh my god! Quite. She's never said anything like that. It is entirely possible she does not remember. As I said, it was my father's belief she never fully recovered after the incident. In fact, it is possible she does not know. But how? And why wouldn't anyone have told her? Heck, why hasn't anyone told me before now? Remember, it is my position that the murder was never properly investigated. You mentioned that Sophia's father was a scientist that worked for the government. That much is at least partially true, as my father attested to me. So wait, why would your dad know about any of this anyway? He was also a witness. What? Late in life. I would not call it a deathbed confession, though it was a near enough thing. My father explained when he was a younger man, he had seen Sophia's father kill her mother. My father had reported this to the police, but from what he could tell, no investigation was ever officially undertaken, though he did see members of the armed forces stop in at the Castellanos' house from time to time. To me, this sounds to be some sort of cover-up, though I am loath to bandy about such terms. I own a car dealership. I am not some sort of spy from a tawdry novel. This is a lot. Uh, I, thank you for telling me. It seemed proper to inform an inquisitive journalist with a fresh perspective. Perhaps you will be able to shine a light on the subject after all these years. Yeah, wow. This could really be a big deal. Like, make my career big. I mean, it's not as weird as some of the things I've heard today, but... Wow! I do happen to know one story of the Outre. But that's a story for another time? No. I could tell you now. If you would like. Yeah, sure. That'd be great. Huh. Very well. My grandfather. My father's father was a soldier who served in the Second World War. At one point, as the war ground on, he was stationed in a very old city in Western Europe. It came to pass that he and his unit were cut off from the rest of the army, and they were in the very unfortunate position of having to defend themselves and the local population against both attacks by enemy soldiers and sabotage by collaborators and turncoats. That sounds awful. One would assume. Nonetheless, one can grow accustomed to anything, or so my grandfather said. He and his men patrolled the city each night, and for a few days, 
it seemed that they were in a relatively stable position. One night, however, one of the patrols failed to return from their rounds. My grandfather took a handful of volunteers to look for them and found their remains. They had been crushed, not shot or stabbed or hit by an explosion, crushed, as though they had been assaulted with sledgehammers or mauls. Sledgehammers? Plural? Yes. My grandfather described coming across a scene of devastation in a dark alleyway. Bones pulverized by immense force. Flesh reduced to jelly and smeared across the stones of the old city. Heads pulped. Oh God, that's horrible. The attacks continued on a nightly basis. At dusk, the patrols would head out. At dawn, my grandfather would find that one patrol had been utterly, silently destroyed. He did find a pattern to the attacks, however. A skill I have yet to master. What? Uh, nothing, sorry, go on. Eventually, my grandfather triangulated the attacks to a dilapidated, squalid quarter. Old, even by the standards of the city. He led a patrol there himself, assisted only by a pair of locals. The three of them spent the night hunting for the mysterious assailant and were, eventually, successful. Really? What did they find? A monster. There is no other word for it. Hulking and brutish with fists that could rend steel. My grandfather said it had skin that was sometimes like stone, sometimes like mud. Either way, it waded through gunfire unharmed, shrugged away terrible blows from knives and axes. An abominable fury lurked in the pits of its eyes. It was by luck as much as skill that my grandfather was able to use an excavator to take the top of the thing's head clean off. It seems even monsters need their heads to live. As my grandfather said, the thing turned to dust after that. Wow. That is... That is a heck of a story. It appears to be true and accurate. From what research I've been able to conduct. I would love to take a look at your research. Perhaps another time. Obviously, I do not carry such things with me. Of course. Well, 
Um, on behalf of grateful citizens everywhere, I'd like to thank your grandfather for his service. I think perhaps there has been a misunderstanding. My grandfather was a ranking officer in the Wehrmacht. Oh, goodness. Look at the time. I'm afraid I must leave. There is an appointment that requires my attention at the dealership. I hope... I have been able to help in some small way. Good luck with your investigations. I will see myself out. I think I'm going to be sick. Thank you for listening to October's Children, Episode 6, Leaf Peepers. We hope that you enjoyed the show, and that you'll stay with us as we continue to tell the story of Wolfbrook and all your friends who live there. After all, they're going to need all the help they can get, and who knows what might happen if you look the other way. October's Children is an original podcast created, written, and directed by Jacob Mendel with sound design by Derek Valen and produced by Derek Valen. October's Children features the voices of Joseph Boslinski, John Cava, Tinyi Skarson, Johnny Machado, Wilhelmina Marie, Mossball, Stephen Murdoch, Karen O'Brien, Alexandra Ovid, Susanna Snowden Ift, Ray O'Hare, Luna Luna, Halloween Blood Frost, and Paul Warren. October's Children is an Arcana Cast production, copyright 2022. If you'd like to help us keep the lights on, you can find us on Patreon at October's Children Podcast. You can also help us with a signal boost by giving our show a five-star rating and telling your friends about us. We couldn't do this without your support, and we hope you'll join us next time for a new view of Wolfbrook. Until then, remember... Never appease tyrants. <laughs>